It has been far too long. What is up, everyone, and welcome to the MTG Untapped Podcast. I am your host. That's right. It's Costa. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Obviously, it's been a minute. Um, Micah is unable to join me. Of course, we might be doing something a little different here where we might be going on our own and doing some recordings here and there since it's kind of hard to collaborate. Um, honestly, ever since the switch from, uh, what is it? I guess anchor, uh, no Zencaster. So we used to be able to record for free on Zencaster. Um, and then they changed it to where you have to subscribe and it's like every hour and a half, or every hour and 20 minutes or something like that is free. No, it's 120 minutes are free. And then after that, that's when you have to get into the subscription, so long story short, between our um, schedules and then not sure if we want to get hard back into this or not, we'll be doing some, uh, you know, solo dolos here. But um, anyways, with that being said, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty hyped between the uh, DBZ new intro music that might be a mainstay um, and just ready to talk some magic. Um yeah, I'm hyped. So I guess it'll remind us, um, we usually do some phases, uh, and in the first phase, or really it's the phase and step, uh, where, where we usually talk about something, uh, that is unrelated to magic. Uh, so yeah, I guess I'll start off. Uh, so I think the last time we did anything, I say we, cause like Micah's here, but he's here in spirit. You're here in spirit, homie. I know you're pushing me through this. Um, yeah, I think it was uh, March of the Machine, if I'm not mistaken. So what has happened since then? Um, well, I got a new job. I was at the pharmacy. Uh, well, I was with HEB for 12 years. It's a long time. Um, trying to figure out you know, what I wanted to do with my life. So I was just going to school here and there. Finally finished school, as you all know. Um, but yeah, finally left HEB. I'm at NXP Semiconductor. I'm in shipping and receiving, uh, logistics. Um yeah, uh, I've, it's been a life-changing event for me, for sure. Um, before, I was working all hours, you know, sporadic. I would open one night, close the next, or vice versa. Wouldn't really have my weekends. Uh, now, I'm just like the standard Monday through Friday, uh, 8 to 4.30. Really, it's like 7.30 to 4, whatever time I really want to come in. <laughs> um and then I occasionally work a Saturday here and there. But really what I do is I go in for just a couple hours, uh, get paid for four hours, and get some OT. So it's been a great work-life balance. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, you know, right now everything's going great. Uh, at some point, you know, I'll, I'll get bored and start looking to, to move move on up. But, um, yeah, leaving, leaving HAB and getting out of my comfort zone was a real big deal. Um, you know, like I said, 12 years in a place, the, the crew becomes part of the ship and, um, it's kind of hard to break away. But, uh, now that I've done that, I've found a new sense of confidence, um, and continuing to build my career. Uh, I've been talking to Samson about possibly doing some certs on the side, you know, just, just trying to keep moving forward. Um, Let's see. So that happened. Uh, <laughs> it's been so long. I, you know, I guess we we took a trip to California. My wife and I, with our nieces, um, really got to bond with them over that. Um, you know, really, you know, I felt great treating them to this. I, you know, I've been to California several times, uh, except for Lake Tahoe, which is what we added in. So really, what we did was uh, it was Tahoe to Reno. Uh, to Napa, to the Redwoods, uh, to the coastline, and then finished off in San Francisco. So I'd done everything except Lake Tahoe, which, by the way, if you haven't done, um, and obviously can afford to do so, which wasn't that expensive. Surprise! I mean, it was expensive, but not that expensive. Anyways, highly recommend it. Uh, amazing trip. A lot to do uh, in Tahoe around the, I guess, island, if you want to call it. There's not, it's not really an island, but whatever lake, um, there's just, there's so much to see, so much nature, gorgeous, uh, scenery, weather. you have like all, 
all the triomes, if you will. Um, you got a little bit of snow, a little bit of mountain, a little bit of forest, lake water. Um, it gets hot, it gets cold. It's got like everything. Um, so highly recommend Lake Tahoe um, and staying in one of the like cottages or chalets, whatever you want to call it. Um, think that part of the trip cost us probably like two grand for four nights and four of us. Honestly, I don't think that's too bad, all things considered. Um, that was with the rental, too. It might not be adjusting for that. But anyways, highly recommend that. Just got back from Tampa uh, visiting Samson with some good friends of mine, my high school best friends slash half of my groomsmen party. Um, man, that was also an amazing trip. Um, definitely top five there. I, I really don't want to compare the California trip to the Tampa trip because this was a guy's trip with buddies to reconnect. And I, I see some of these buttons, uh, some of these buddies like Miller and, and Jonesy um, and Samson, obviously. But to get us all together, along with bringing a friend we hadn't seen since my wedding, uh, Raymond, oh, man, it was just it was awesome. First day, um, you know. Actually, really, we get there basically around midnight, pick up the car, go to IHOP, you know, reminisce for a couple hours, go to sleep for like a few hours, wake back up, and then we start the day and we're, you know, just eating and showing them around. Samson got us, Samson got us into it like a really cool, um, it's like a, uh, it's a water park, but it's in a subdivision and it, that really doesn't uh, explain well enough or paint a really good picture. But all I gotta say is one of the nicest water parks I've ever been to. Um, and it, for it to be in a subdivision was, was amazing. Um, so we did that, did universal, I redid universal. I redeemed myself because when I went last year, you know, I did a few rides, but the very first ride, the transformer ride got me pretty sick early on. I was pretty nauseous. And, um, so basically it took me a, a lot of like, a, I would say like half the day to kind of break through that. And then we did a few more rides. And then by the time I was ready to try to, you know, venture out and do some more, um, you know, like roller coasters and stuff, it rained us out, which pushed us back. Um, so I really didn't get the full experience, but loved it last year. Well, this year takes the cake by far. One of the greatest amusement park experiences I've ever had, of course, being with best friends, um, just thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, the height of it was the Velocicoaster. Oh my God. I'm not gonna lie. So it'd been like 13 years prior to Tampa when I had done, uh, an amusement park. And so, you know, being a little bit older, being overweight, you know, I didn't know how the whole heart was going to, uh, hold up. And so I've been really nervous, honestly, to do them. Um, and then also like I had gained a considerable amount of weight in high school. And so, we went to Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. I wasn't able to like fit in some of the rides. And so it really like killed my self-esteem and like what I wanted to do. So all that together created this really long drought of doing roller coasters. Um, so when I game planned this year and I was building up, building up, like at first I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do the, the Velocicoaster. Then the after the first couple of rides, like I don't know if I can handle it. Boy, though, I, I, I said, I'm going to do it. And so, you know, me and Miller are going up there and the whole buildup, uh, if you've never been, it's telling you, you know, it's obviously being funny, but still, you know, you have Chris Pratt, uh, you know, in character saying, you know, this is a bad idea, you know, this and that, whatever. And he's talking about the, the Velociraptors, but of course the joke is that he's really talking about the, the Velociraptor, the Velocicoaster itself, the roller coaster. And so I'm like, oh my God, like my heart's pounding. Then we get up to the coaster. They put us in the seats and all the other roller coasters, mind you, are like ease you in, you know, they they go, they have this like build up. It's really slow. No big deal. Nah, this one, no lubes you bro. Like you just straight get on the coaster. They drop this one single bar, you know, no, no harness or anything, just a single bar right over you. You're in a bucket seat. That's like super conformed to your butt. It's crushing my balls. Definitely was uncomfortable a little bit, but, and the next thing you know, like they drop it, tug it. Oh, they're good to go. Throw up the, the thumbs up and then you start going and obviously it doesn't take off, but you're already moving like in, at a pace. Then, you know, it's like the lights, like from Mario Kart light up, you know, three, two, one, and it's like retracting you. And then when it hits the one, 
just shoots you like a cannonball and it's just this rush man i just undescribable anyone who knows me knows that uh so i'm like i'm not really a junkie but i you know i drive fast i move fast for being a big guy um so i'm all about speed and this thing supposedly is like one of the fastest coasters in the world is what samson was telling me um and you're just cooking doing like somersaults loop-de-loops all this stuff for like the first 15 seconds maybe and then you hit another tube think about it like mario kart we have those like arrows on the on the floor and it like boosts you well this tube basically is like a, a giant booster and it just reshoots you and it like picks up more speed and so you're going and ah dude it it's so awesome too because jurassic park if i hadn't already said it on cast is like a special place in my heart i grew up watching them when i was little uh, so for an iconic franchise to also be the greatest roller coaster experience I've ever had is like completes the circle there of nostalgia. So it was, it was tremendous. Um, obviously there was a lot more rides and whatnot, but we just had a great time. And then the last day, um, a lot of sightseeing for the guys that Jonesy and I had already done, but we were just kind of recapturing it and letting the, the other guys who hadn't seen it enjoy it. Um, ate some amazing food, had the best ramen on night two. So coming back from Orlando at Izakaya, if you're in the area in Tampa, I think it's the best miso hot I've ever had. So if you're in the area, go try it out. Also, there's a big Ray's fish camp or something like that in South Tampa. That's where we got some blackened grouper. Amazing. I think it was on a triple D too. So it's pretty easy to find, but, um, and then, uh, of course, La Segunda, um, it's a Cuban-style bakery, but they have, like, another location that's a sit-down eating area. Um, amazing Cuban sandwiches, amazing sandwiches, period. Uh, great pastries, great empanadas, um, just the whole shebang. So, tremendous trip. Um, you know, I really value those friends. Uh, they're more than friends. They're family. Um, and for us to have such a tight-knit group and be able to do these things as you get older, I'm only 31, so I'm not old or anything. But, uh, you know, as you get older, you really value those moments. And I just say to anybody, if you have good friends, cherish cherish it. Um, I know what we have is something very special um, and something that you don't find very often. Um, and so I, I truly love those guys. I had a great time with them. Um, yeah, that basically summed up that trip. And then, um, recently, I guess Lorcana cracks and Lorcana. Um, trying to get my wife into it. Pretty cool game so far. Um, I will say that, uh, it putters out pretty quick. It feels like I run out of gas. And so I'm curious what the next sets will bring. Um, and obviously all the hype right now, everyone's buying out cards and the prices are just overwhelmingly stupid. So, you know, I bought some starter decks probably obviously at an inflated price. Um, but, uh, honestly I bought them at juniors comics cards, uh, located on metric and slaughter, uh, good price compared to everyone else at the time. I think they were going for like 45 and he sold them to me for 30. In fact, he was selling them to all his customers at 30. So uh, good entry point. Uh, I look forward, like I said, to seeing what comes up of this game. I don't really see it as a direct competitor to Magic the Gathering. I just see it as something adjacent to it that other, you know, you know, groups of people can get into. And um, like I said, I don't know how heavy I'll get into it, but, uh, you know, if they come out with a Star Wars theme, um, what else are we missing for Marvel? Obviously, you know, I'll be head into it. So anyways, that was a pretty long phase in moving to the untapped step. Uh, where I talk about magic. I've played over hell the past, what has it been five months or something like that? Um, I guess to summarize it, uh, so I made three new commander decks, um, obviously with the release of, uh, com uh commander masters, I went ahead and picked up Kozluk the Great Distortion. Uh, also grabbed Zuladoc, which I guess I'm getting ahead of myself for the Kosas cart. But, um, you know, just in case I wanted to remake the deck. I made the Salmon Frodo deck. Uh, really fun deck. I, I think it can be very, well, it is very powerful, but I love that it can also just be very um, wheel spinning or gold fishing, whatever you want to, however you want to describe it. Basically, you can make it powerful or you can just enjoy the hell out of it. And that's what I've been doing with the deck. And then Sauron, the dark Lord, very powerful commander. As soon as I saw it and what it could do, uh, you know, I've been trying to figure out the best Grixis deck for me for a long time. And the one I saw this, it was just a match made in heaven, basically 
play all the biggest spells you want and be a control deck, or you can really feed into the ring temps and orc stuff. You can do a lot with this uh, commander. Um, I chose to do like the big splashy stuff with, you know, like, like a couple of counter spells and just things of that nature. Um, it might be too powerful for some settings. And so I'll have to kind of adjust cause I don't want to turn people off or make me like enemy public enemy number one every time I play it. But uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Looking forward to the new, um, full art Sauron that we're getting, um, with the re-release of this set and during like Christmas or something. So I'll upgrade it. I currently have the, um, showcase version foil. So love it. Love it. Love the look of it. Um, what else? Let's see. We've been along with that. We've been hosting some commander again. I think we're going to change the time and move it to like 8 PM in the evening and see if we can get more people, uh, just to come and play with us. So if you're in the area, um, I wouldn't say stop by I would, on that day. I would probably say, come to FNM, come talk to me, get you in our discord and then just go from there. Um, and then Mike and I have been getting into a little bit of popper. In fact, <laughs> it was really funny. Michael, you know, as you know, is not really big and constructed, at least in paper magic. Um, and I don't know really, don't know what really sparked him to get into it, but he ended up, um, making a popper deck. And then I made one next thing, you know, the group of us are making popper decks. And then we hosted an event on Monday night, like two weeks ago. Uh, I ended up taking down with, uh, Demir, uh, control, Really kind of surprised, honestly, because guys like Wilson were there and Hunter and obviously Micah, some really good magic players. Um, but apparently, you know, I met the hell of this deck and it's one of the best decks. I didn't even really care to win. I mean, obviously I wanted to win, but I wanted a deck that I could kind of figure, like learn the other decks without having to figure out what my deck does. So, um, and plus I just love playing like five fives for one mana and drawing a bunch of cards. So like fit me perfectly, but also end up being one of the best decks. So yeah. Um, so that's a real small summary, I guess, other than just doing, you know, I I've been doing a lot of limited, but it's slowed down quite a bit. Um, I played a lot of Lord of the Rings, which is, um, kind of one of the main topics. I'll hand out some awards there here in just a second, but did a lot of Lord of the Rings, did a lot of March of the Machine. Um, great stuff all in all. Um, uh, you know, I, I still love limited. It's been slowing down a little bit though. My life has been getting a little more packed and whatnot. So, but, um, yep, still a huge commander limited player. So anyways, like I had just said or previewed, uh, main phase. So kind of, kind of go over, um, what I can remember <laughs> from mom draft, uh, Lord of the Rings draft, We'll talk a little bit about Commander Masters and my overall opinion on it. Talk a little bit about Wilds of Eldrain, secret layer stuff, um, and that'll be kind of the the just of the main topic today. So first, let's start with the uh, Mom Draft. Let me pull up my notes here. So, like I said, it's been a minute, but uh, overall, I I ended up loving Mom Draft. I think my first impression again was it's too bomby. It's kind of hard to play through, but after usually when the formats go on, you, you end up figuring it out and, and how you can adjust. And that's what I did. So I ended up, uh, from what I'm remembering, adjusting, uh, I made mythic, uh, again through it. So yeah, great, great format. Um, I really love the off color bombs or like your uncommons that had, uh, or even commons that you could pay like a Frexian mana, uh, in a different color to uh, flip them. By the way, I thought that was a really great strategy on their part because typically with Phyrexian Mana, we talked about this a long time ago, but when it first came out, busted, right? Um, you were basically getting free spells, a lot of the, or the best spells, right? Like Gitaxian Pro. Um, but then it just, it, it made it so that way you can play a lot of those spells um, in in any color basically like if you know you could be a green black deck and then don't need any white mana but splash like a white spell or whatever right same premise here except they put it on creatures um which i think is a key difference right so the creatures um are not as powerful as spells in my opinion when it comes to the utilization of phyrexia mana and also their rate was really good so 
you know, you have like the, uh, from forgetting the black one, one death toucher. It was like one in a, one in a block. Right. And, um, so you had to pay, you had to be in that color to pay, pay, uh, play the front side of it. And then if you wanted to flip it, you didn't need the other color mana. I thought it was a really good strategy in keeping it contained. Cause obviously that could have been out of hand if you just had like one in a Phyrexian mana or something like that. Right. So, um, great there. Um, not really too much to say about it. I did make a small list here for awards, um, so I'll just kind of bust through that. So for the Reaper's Talisman, or the best common, in my opinion, from what I can remember, uh, by the way, like I said, it's been a minute, so I'm going based off of memory here. Afara's Dispersal, that was the bounce spell that got reduced. Ooh, if you drew a card or something like that, uh, was really ended up being really good, uh, for a lot of different reasons. It could protect your spells or your creatures. Uh, it could bounce giant Phyrexian tokens, which was a big one. Um, so it was a one mana re removal spell and really kept the black, white Phyrexian deck in check. Um, but definitely, uh, very high on the list there. In fact, like I said, I thought it was the best, uh, uh, oops, uh, best common. Whoops, did I mess this up? Uh, Reaper's Talisman, sorry, was supposed to be the best uncommon. I think I got those mixed up. So, uh, Thieves' Tool, excuse me, Afar's Dispersal was the Thieves' Tool, which is the best common. Uh, for Reaper's Talisman, the best uncommon, in my opinion, was Invasion of Amonkhet. Uh, I don't remember anything being particularly close. Yes, you had to commit to being blue-black, but the trade-off was... You got a battle that would, I think, make your opponent discard a card. You drew a card. They took a life, and they milled a card or something like that. And then when you flipped it, you got a Lazatep 4-4 that became a copy of any creature in any graveyard. And because this set was so bomby, uh, you could turn that 4-4 into just something stupid, right? So, nutto, nutto. I mean, that I mean that's like a rare... Hell, that's probably even a mythic power level, in my opinion, just how strong that card could be because it could copy rares and mythics, right? So insanely strong, uncommon. Um, the Divine Gambit of the set or the trash to 23rd, 24th card, uh, I gave it to uh, Mirrodin Avenge. So that was like two in a block, I think, for an instant. If a creature had been dealt damage, uh, you could destroy it and then you drew a card. Solid card, um, and definitely could get you at some points. Like if your bomb, you know, happened to, you know, you know, like get chumped or whatever, and they used it on it, you felt pretty bad about it. But um, overall, wasn't main decking this card. Um, I also, in the spirit of Divine Gambit, I think we both thought it was trash, and ended up being better than trash. So two and one there for that Divine Gambit. For the Inferno of the Star Mounts, or the Best Bomb, I believe is that. Uh, yeah, Best Bomb. Um, <laughs> I also don't... Th I mean, it's close, but I think if you really think about this logically, Elish Norn, Grand Cenobite. So this is a reprint in that Legends, um, Strixhaven slot. I, the card is insane. It's most of the time can be a low grade board wipe bus like boost all your creatures and just hard to kill um hard to kill because it's like a four seven or whatever it is and yeah there's a plenty of removal but that that card just i, I <laughs> it is so backbreaking to build up you know huge defense you know stalled out and this thing just coming in a game so uh not much has changed with this card meaning that it was uh, it's been a bomb since its existence, and uh, yeah, this is uh, it's crazy that they reprinted this in this set. Um, I think Micah would agree that this one might have been a mistake to actually put in the set, just because it was just it was so tilting. It was so tilting and just like not needed. I feel like, but. Anyways, Elish Norn takes the Inferno of the Star Mounts Award. Uh, Season of Renewal reward or the da, 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 most underrated. I put Furnace Rains. Ah, yeah. So I think it was Tuna Red for a uh, active treason spell, but uh, you also got a treasure, um, if I'm not mistaken. I yeah, something like that. I don't know if you had to do anything else, like if you had to kick it or something, but... The red-black sack deck ended up being one of those new emerging decks, uh, the second half of the, the season, if you will, of uh, Mom. And 
uh, with that, Furnace Reigns was so great because you would steal their creature and use the mana, I think, to... I think there was a sack outlet for, like, one mana or something like that. Uh, I don't remember what it was, I'll be honest. But basically, you would use that treasure to sacrifice that creature. Um, it really ended up being... Uh, uh, a great card and I still think underrated if people didn't understand how that deck worked. So furnace rains for season of renewal, the Rafines informant, uh, we put that as the most improved. I had, uh, wildwood escorts. I think it's four and a green for like a three, three or four, four, um, Fox elf something. Um, basically when the ETB, uh, you got to ewit a permanent, I believe. Um, yeah, so uh, this card, um, I think when I saw it, I mean, I think it was good, but then quickly it wasn't as good, but it ended up being <laughs> good and most improved because uh, the value of recurring your biggest threats, um, and sometimes it was a creature, sometimes it was some other permanent, uh, was really huge. Um, and so like the battle of attrition became a real thing and at a, at a decent body, I mean, nothing, you know, overly powerful but body was decent enough to where you know achilles trade with some of the stuff um definitely i think uh the the one one that turned into a three three um it was a death toucher that i brought up before that was always a good one to trade with because they're both three threes or four fours you got the value out of it and they didn't draw a card um so that ended up being a pretty good card um for the Hazardous Blast, I think that's the most overrated card. Uh, yeah, Hazardous Blast. Um, so actually, this is a new reward. I assigned this myself. Sorry, Micah. Uh, <laughs> I had Ragavan Nimble Pilferer. So this is a mythic. Obviously, we know this monkey. It's a 2-1 for one mana. It has a dash of 2 um, when it connects, uh, you exile a card off your opponent's library, uh, you make a treasure, blah, 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 blah. I think this card was overrated, but I understand. So in paper, it makes a ton of sense, right? It's a very expensive card. It's like 40 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever it is. You're not going to pass this up. It doesn't matter what you're doing, right? You're going to take your value. Um, an arena, like I could see this card being a trap where you're like, oh, I got Ragavan, and then you build your deck around it. And I did see a lot of people like I'd see like a monkey in their deck and be like, I think they tried to build a Ragavan deck and just did, did not perform the same. I mean, in modern with that power level, you want something low on the ground and you protect it and you just take it all the way. But in this format, everything bodies the Ragavan. So unless you get like one free flip off of it or it's later in the game where it just comes down and you can dash it in and steal something and all that, it, it's not that amazing. I think like, I think in standard, there's an argument to be made that I think you could print Ragavan straight up in standard. And yes, it'd be very, very good. I don't think it would be as busted as it was when it was, you know, making all the mess there in, in modern. So uh, Ragavan as the uh, most uh, overrated card. Uh, and then I'm not awarding anything for most egregiously undervalued uh, card from our primer because I don't remember. So that'll be the same for Lord of the Rings, which... We'll go ahead and move into um, Lord of the Rings. Uh, so <laughs> from what I remember, first of all, Micah, Micah and I were super hyped for this set. Um, then we saw, you know, the spoilers and saw that, you know, Wizards of the Coast was kind of taking it into their own hands and changing characters that, you know, just go ahead and call it the elephant in the room, you know, Aragorn being black or whatever. Um the, the, the issue that I, I can speak on to it personally uh, simply was that this was an already established IP. Um, if you wanted to, you know, invoke, um, you know, more uh, ethnicity and inclusion to the game, just make your characters, uh, you know, be, be those characters, right? You don't need to take an IP that's already established. You know, I think for most of us, I see Viggo Mortensen, um, a, a white guy, right, <laughs> being... Uh, uh, Aragon. Um, I didn't think he really needed to make him black, especially with, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings, they're, uh, the series, right. is taking its own direction and adding black elves, which I think is fine. I, the only issue I have with that one is simply, I think it should have been, 
not a prequel. They should have done it in like a sequel to Lord of the Rings. So continuity when you've already seen the movie and there's no other black elves is kind of weird, but whatever I can get down with it. It's not a big deal, but an established character established IP, um, wanting to do that. It just, it, it was just weird in my opinion, but regardless, you know, get over it. It's not a big deal. Um, I do love the art on it. I do love the cards. Um, and so I stayed very hyped for the set until I started drafting it. Um, my initial impression of draft was that it was a little underpowered, but what I ended up finding out was that it was actually a, it was a callback to what I would think a simpler time of magic was like, there are some powerful mechanics, but they're not, um, very, complicated they're easy to understand mechanics even adding the one ring mechanic to it um and it really made the games progress in a nice steady flow whereas like you know other formats you know some cards just run away with the game you know they steamroll and, and you can't get into the game so really loved this draft format at the end Love the one mana uh, land cyclers. I think they added a big boost to this. Obviously, they're making some waves in other formats, um, like Lorian Revealed. Um, so I really love how they added some powerful cards, but yet they weren't so powerful that like everything was a bomb. So great limited set. Um, love the love the art. Like I said. Uh, love the art in this set. I just love playing with Lord of the Rings cards in Magic. It fits so well. Um, I, may, I think I've heard that uh, like D and D Magic the Gathering was influenced by Lord of the Rings. It's probably true. I mean, you know, it's been out for forever. Um, yeah, I just love having these cards. I made. I've completed all the mosaics. Uh, well. <sighs> have I completed all of them? So all of the full art pictures, when you get all the cards and make a picture out of them, I, Oh yeah, I th I'm missing one, but they're all in foil. Love to have them excited for the re-release in, uh, December. So I can go ahead and drop more money and <laughs> fill up my binder with this stuff. But, um, I'll circle back to the awards. Uh, so for Reaper's Talisman, the best uncommon in the set, I have, um, this was a hard one. I heard a lot of people saying Eomir, uh, Eomir, however you pronounce his name. He was the 4-4 Haster, and if when he attacked and he and you controlled the strongest power creature, you made a 1-1. One, one. That probably is right, but I can't pass up Fear, Fire, or Foes. Um, so that's the X spell that deals X damage to a creature and then deals 1 damage to all other creatures that opponent controls. A lot of time that ended up being a really good board wipe, um, and I think it fits and more decks like i guess my my thing is like there's probably an argument that amr can fit in all uh, decks that have red and you can splash for it because it's so powerful but uh fear fire foes was like yeah it goes in every red deck for sure so um yeah really solid card got me a lot of times got my opponents a lot of times there'd be plenty of times where i would like swing in and set up an attack to where like they all had enough damage to where anything that was left over would just get got by that card. Um, so really like the play patterns on that one. For the best thieves, oh, sorry, for the thieves tool, the best common in the set, it's Lauren revealed for me. Um, having a for sure land drop that later turns into uh, drawing three cards and more gas was just so backbreaking and honestly the difference in a lot of games for me to where like i gassed out but then i top deck this and then get right back in the game and go ahead and go for the win like cards like that seem to me and this thing like is i think is amazing like i said uh definitely uh in a lot of it's making waves in a lot of other formats it's it's in my cube it's just a great great card uh, for the Divine Gambit or Trash 23rd card, whatever you want to call it, Slip on the Ring. Um, it's so funny. When I was making this list like a couple of days ago, I was just telling myself, I'm like, I actually haven't seen it that much, but I know I've seen it. And then I played an opponent and literally got got by it. And I forgot how the transaction worked, but they basically like flickered their creature, was able to like ring tempts and do all this shenanigans on the follow-up turn where they killed me i think they like basically completed the one ring um and was able to kill me and save themselves it was something crazy i was just like wow this card is 
maybe better than divine gambit but now i like i think in most cases this card doesn't even make the cut or just barely makes it so uh slip on the ring for uh the divine gambit for the inferno of the star mounts uh the best bomb i think it's horn of gundor uh, that's probably not correct for most people but my reasoning for this is it is a bomb. Uh, it's like a four mana artifact comes in makes a one, one, uh, or two mana artifact, something like that. But you pay four to make, uh, X one ones where it's the number that you of tokens you already control gets out of hand by itself and literally goes in every deck. It's a colorless artifact. Um, and if it sits there too long, it, you know, it just, you're just done. I think the runner up for me is Faramir. <laughs> so funny enough, kind of the same thing, four mana like three three basically if you don't attack it you draw if you don't attack it your opponent gets to draw a card if you do attack and i want to say sorry i'm saying it but like if you do attack your opponent uh then you make three one ones like the card is just a house um and basically it's only weakness is that it dies to removal shocker um <laughs> that card was also really busted but because it was in two colors i just think Horn of Gundor basically does the same thing. I guess it doesn't draw you a card, but still, when you're making a ton of one ones, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, for Season of Renewal, the most improved card, uh, funny enough, it was uh, Cast into the Fire. Um, oh, sorry, uh, it's the most underrated, excuse me. Uh, it was Cast into the Fire. Um, yeah, uh, this card ends up doing a lot of work. So if I put Fear Fire Foes at number one because it can board wipe, this is just a mini version of that. And then occasionally you want you run into the one ring, you get to exile it. Um, there's also a few other artifacts, like we just said, Horda Gondor and things that you can get. So uh, card ended up being uh, pretty good and still I think it's underdrafted. So uh, most underrated card there. Uh, for the reasons of informants or the most improved, uh, for me personally, it's got to be Birthday Escape. I was already pretty high on this card um, uh, just because it's a cantrip. And when I say high, I just mean like I was excited to do this. Um, but then also it had uh, the ring temp on there. End up being way better. Like once you realize the ring temp mechanic and like how strong it is, which I think most people understood, but... Uh, ended up being a key part of this draft format for a lot of decks. Um, Birthday Escape was just great. Um, and so um, the most, what did I say, improved there? Uh, sorry, I'm kind of rattling through here because uh, I'm not used to not used to recording by myself, so it's kind of interesting. Uh, but yeah, most improved. Um, and then the uh, most overrated or the Hazardous Blast, uh, I think it was Soothing of Smeagol. Um it's a really good card, but you know, I think it's picked up too often and it doesn't hit the orc tokens, which is a pretty big knock on the card. Um, and then a lot of times bouncing your opponent's creatures meant that they were going to, you know, a lot of them had like ETB effects that were like ring tempt and whatnot. And so, um, that just didn't seem very, very smart and also something that you really didn't want to do. Right. And so, I think a lot of times you would end up tempoing yourself versus tempoing your opponent. I mean, sure, like there's a lot of times when you're swinging for lethal, excuse me, you get out their best creature or whatever and, and can kill them or whatever. Uh, but I just think it was too valued and a little overrated at times. So, um, so those are the awards for Lord of the Rings. Overall, like I said, great, great set. Um, the one thing I forgot to bring up and I did mention it was the one ring mechanic. I think all time uh on the list of all time greatest mechanics um ever i think in my opinion especially for limited maybe not for constructed formats but definitely for limited very simple at first it seemed very convoluted but it ended up being a very simple and easy to understand mechanic that i mean honestly it was very ingenious the way this mechanic played out i mean Normally when you, so like the first side of it, right, turn something into a legend and then it can't be blocked. It basically has skulk, right? Like it can't be blocked by something uh, with power greater than it. Um, what that ended up doing was you would have, um, you would end up being able to like chip and hit your opponent for a little damage, but it wasn't so backbreaking that your opponent could get into the game and often does get into the game. Um, so I thought that was a really smart move. A lot of people complained and said that the 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 second ability should have been the third ability. <sighs> Excuse me, which is the draw discard or loot ability. 
also I think very smart because you wanted a mechanic uh, or you wanted it to be something where people valued and wanted to do the ring temp mechanic. And if you put it at three, it's a lot harder to get to, but at two, it wasn't easy. Like it, it was easy, but you had to build around it. Um, and it's something to where like you then have a reason to be doing the mechanic. And so I thought it was also very smart. Um, three, at first I thought was really pointless. And then what I ended up finding out was no, it ended up being a really good mechanic, especially if you got to level four, because it forced your opponent to have to block with a bit with like not a bigger creature. Cause it can't do that, but a creature with a big booty, um, and get it out of there. Right. And usually you were like two for one, like you could kill one creature and then the other creature had to be sacrificed. So, uh, ended up being a very strong part of that didn't always come up, but when it did was very solid. And then of course, four adding three extra damage, um, to, to connect was by far the best part of it. Um, and was what really you were trying to get to at the end of the day, you can make an argument that the looting was, but again, I, I think the, the level four of it was absolutely awesome. Um, and then turned your little dinky one, one into an actual threat. So, very very good job uh in my opinion with the ring mechanic um and then like i said uh the the land cycler is just huge in my opinion so um that'll sum it up for uh those past draft formats um moving on uh commander masters overview so i just wanted to touch on it um you know this set in my opinion uh was actually really solid uh, obviously the, the biggest knock on this was the price. Uh, it, it was just way too expensive for an otherwise very, very solid draft format. I think this was actually the best draft format. Um, I was a huge fan of being able to, uh, play commander or partner commanders that, that will never, ever be able to partner again, because for this set, they made it to where if you had a monocolor legend, you can partner it with another monocolor legend. Super awesome idea. Um, I really, honestly, really smart. Some people would argue that it's really lazy, but I, I totally understand it. Right, you're making a a, um, a draft format with all reprints, and so it's really hard to, and it would really devalue the set if they just keep uh, like reprinting partners. Um, and so this made it to where. You had a draft experience like no other. You got to pair uh, legends that you know you'll never get to pair again, and have some really new strong synergies. And so, I actually really loved this format. Again, the price though was just way too much. Um, I really, really hope that Wizards. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath here. I think they'll blame it on something else for why the set didn't sell too well. Um, but uh, I really hope that they learn that this is just way too expensive. Like there, there's a middle ground here and that's definitely on the, the outlier side of this. Also, I just want to bring awareness for a lot of people that don't understand, um, you know, it, this is really taxing and, and really sucks for LGSs because what happens is LGSs have to put in orders blindly. Um, and so they don't get to know, like this is before like the rest of the cards are spoiled. Hell, a lot of times it's before they even know what a, which card is like any card is coming out in the set, and so they have to commit. And the vendors kind of pigeonhole them into that because if they stop, you know, like, let's say like the next Commander Masters comes out, and Henry the Starner Juniors is like, look, the last time this came out, people backed out of their orders. I can't afford to buy all this. The vendor says, okay, cool. It's going to go to somebody else. And then you will stop getting product. And that's basically how this plays out. And so it's a really, really, um, vicious, uh, predatory style of distribution. And I don't care for it too much. Unfortunately, it's the way it is. Um, but we vote with our wallets. Um, and you know, this is one of those things where it'll, take a lot of time and voting uh, to get the message through. But I am hoping that someone wizards, obviously they're not listening to my podcast, right? But uh, that they're listening to somebody who has a little more clout and can hear kind of the cries of the community that this is, this is not the direction we want to go with. Everything else about this though was absolutely tremendous. Again, just so much of juice uh, in this set it really was like, if, even though those prices, you know, I, I complained, for instance, about um, oh, Imperial Sill, right, being like a, a card that really had a fake value. Um, by the way, I'm not 
my, I didn't hit it right on the head, but you know, this was a $150 card, whatever it was. Um, it's like a $40 card. And honestly, if more of the stuff got packed or cracked, it, it would, it would hit that. I think $20 is what I, what I said it would get to. Um, and so like an example of this is like the Jin Chao, whatever, uh, Zing Zhao, I think, or something like that. The, uh, temporal, um, uh, time walk effect, whatever it is for five mana. Yes, there are cards like that in this set um, that are just inflated because they've never been printed before. But there's a lot of other cards that are like super juice in this set. Of course, I'm drawing a big blank right now. But um, okay, like a doubling season, which <laughs> so egregious. We'll get to this here in a second. But um, but prior to the knowledge of it getting a reprint in Wilds of Drain, uh, this was this card where it's like, yeah, it was super expensive, but you could crack this and like several other cards. And, you know, yes, the value has dropped on it, but without this reprint, it would still command like an $80 you know, price tag, obviously without the, the Wilds of Drain knowledge, we'll just take that out of account. But my point is there were a lot of cards that needed reprint, uh, reprinting the prices tanked on them in a good way. Um, and so there was plenty of juice in the set. Um, so overall, I think it, you know, if boxes go real cheap on this, by the way, like draft boosters, like if you can find them like sub 250, I think it's actually worth picking up, uh, and not because of value, but strictly because it was a great draft format, a great commander draft format. So, um, I'd give this set like, I think the prof gave this like an F I think, or something like that. I might give this like a C plus, honestly, like if it like, and that's including the price into this, um, C plus, it would have easily been an A plus if they had just dropped it to like, you know, instead of $60 a draft, like, I, you know, they could have gotten away with $40 a draft and it, I think it would have been, uh, you know, a, a B plus 10 a range. Um, now to Wilds of Drain. So uh, the time of this recording, it is uh, August 30th. Um, I'm going to try to go ahead and squeeze in a primer tomorrow. So you might get a back-to-back -back episodes. I don't think I'll be able to do that. So I am going to talk about just uh, a couple of things with Wilds of Drain. First of all, uh, the off-color adventure cards really excite me. Um, as an example, the, uh, what is this? decadent dragon let me see if i can find it real quick uh, where are you decadent dragon ah here we go uh so it's two red red for a four four dragon uh as flying and trample whenever it attacks you create a treasure token <clears throat> super solid in my cube for a lot of reasons it's a it's that chromatic cube i've been talking about um, so I need multicolor stuff. It has a small artifact sub theme, has a token theme. This card hits all the notes. And then it also has an adventure side to it for two and a black. So also thematic because it's off color or multicolor, however you want to look at it. Um, exile the top two cards of, an, of target opponent's library face down. You may look at and play those cards for as long as they remain exiled. Um, love this. In fact, this also goes in the Earth Dragon too, not just my cube, but uh, super powerful card in my opinion. So it ramps you, it hits good. Um, it's got a really nice like draw or card advantage engine to it. Um, so cards like this, the other one was uh, devouring sugar mall. So that's two black, black for a six, six horror. Uh, it has menace and trample at the beginning of your upkeep. You may sacrifice an artifact enchantment or token. If you don't, you tap it. Um, so again, in my cube, super awesome because I have all those themes. Um, and then for one in a white, uh, you get an instant, uh, create a one, one white human creature token, uh, and a foo token. So feeds itself really good. It reminds me a lot of, um, Oh, uh, not loving beast. <laughs> what is the damn thing? Uh, whatever the five, five was that when you pay one green man, you made a one, one and it could only attack or block. I think, uh, if you controlled a one, one, I think you can only attack if you controlled a one, one, um, essence of that um but yeah really really cool design um and really great for my for my cube um overall the other set of cards i want to talk about was a cycle actually it was the virtue cycle so these are instants on the f or sorry instants and sorceries depending on which card it is for the spell side and then for the permanent side it's a, an enchantment 
so one of them being virtue of loyalty. So three white white for an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control and untap those creatures. And then for one and a white, you can play it as an instant. Uh, create a two two white knight token with vigilance. Uh, really, really cool set of cards here. Um, we haven't had instant enchantments, I think, from what I can remember from the first uh, Eldraine. And so I just like the uh, the uh, variant, not variance, um, uniqueness, for better lack of term here, of these cards. Um, they're, they seem pretty powerful. Um, in fact, if you get to the, if you can stick the permanent side, they're, they're really powerful, uh, except for the green one, like the green one. Um, it, uh, if you, so it's seven mana, if you tap a basic land for mana, it produces three times that much mana instead. The drawback of it being, uh, basic i think is pretty a pretty big hit i think what what i'd rather have seen is just this be like a eight eight to ten mana card and just make it any land because if you're paying eight to ten mana for something then you know it should be pretty much a game ender anyway um the 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 spell side on is really good i think return target creature or land card from your graveyard to your hand i mean that that's fine you know a um not a regrowth but a regrowth variant and uh I think it's pretty powerful. So overall, cool new um, cycle of cards for this set. Um, and there are a ton more in this, by the way. Um, also, just want to shout out the... Uh, so they also have a Strixhaven theme to it too, right? So you can get in the very back, you get... Uh, I forget what they're calling this. Let's see. They're calling it... Uh, Enchanted Tales. So it's... Uh, the last card will be... Uh, an enchanted tale or basically an enchantment um, from magic's past and uh, you either get it in their really cool enchantment enchanted tales border um, so it's very um, I don't even know how to describe it it's like it's a damn border <laughs> I can't I'm not very artistic so I, I wouldn't even know what to, to describe it as but you can get it in that style or in an anime style and usually I'm not as big on anime, but lately visiting Samson and my friends who are huge, huge anime fans on top of the art being really good on this, um, and me getting into like DBZ again and whatnot, some of these are really cool. And so doubling season, uh, which is like amazing to see and also really crappy to see since it really hurts the value of commander masters even more. Um, and uh, I don't know who is in charge of reprint equity, but they've basically cannibalized. They like cannibalize themselves way too much and like giving us a really expensive, awesome sought out card and putting it in like the, the following set or in a secret layer. It's really, really odd in my opinion. I, I don't know if this will end up paying off or if they really felt like they needed cards to um, like cards like this to push wilds of all drain. I think it would have done fine without it. Um, but because we really have parallel lives in the set too, I feel like they should have just stuck the doubling season, uh, you know, left it in the commander masters, gave us a borderless there as well. And the parallel lives be the, the card that, uh, is like the front runner, like, or a chase card for this set. And again, I'm not mad. I mean, I love seeing, <laughs> so it's got a, like a hydra goose on it. I forgot the, the name of it, but like mother goose hydra. Um, as the art, super awesome looking. I just think that they could have done that and, you know, commander masters instead. Um, so yeah, um, like I said, hopefully I will delve into it more. I think next week I'll be able to do a primer. I will have already done sealed, but, um, I'm sure I'll, I'll have something to follow up on that. Um, so yeah, this set overall looks really good. It doesn't look like it's going to be broken. Like the original Eldraine again, that's just a very quick glance. I haven't been able to really look through all the cards, but from what I can see, it looks, it looks really good and contained. Um, so that'll be it for for secret layer or sorry for walls of old drain for the last thing uh, main discussion today uh the secret layer um so we just got a super drop for the fall um so here's the thing the value on most of these are actually really bad the art's really good the value is really bad and so my whole thing on secret layer has been um really like i don't really look at these as to spec on i uh, mean like for resale uh, this is more of like if you like the art 
you know, buy it. If you don't, then don't. I will say, though, that inherently we all look at the value of these cards, or at least most of us do, um, who have any kind of understanding of how expensive magic cards are. So for them to, like, give us a secret layer and then follow it up as a reprint in another set, it doesn't feel that great because you want your cards to have some value. Like, you want to be able to justify the 30 or $40 purchase that you're making on a secret layer. So with that being said, uh, you know, it, it's real iffy to me on, on what these cards like long-term wise and what I'll buy. But with all that being said, there are, there's one secret layer that for sure I'll be getting because I'm a big fan of the style of art. And it just so happens that the value on this is really high. So this one is the now on VHS. So, uh, four cards you get in this, um, in a, VHS poster style art, uh, rewind, which is like rewind and rampant growth, which are the just whatever add in cards, but however, look really good. Um, but then you get food chain and you get the first sliver. Both are super awesome. I mean, food chain has a damn dinosaur on it. So, you know, I really want that. Um, after I, I was just proclaiming my love for, for Jurassic park. And the first lever has a very alien uh um imagery to it and um so it was really funny i you know i wasn't big into alien until like prometheus came out and then i saw whatever the follow-up was to that um drawn in blank but um started getting into alien a little bit more so this definitely sings to me as well and of course being a 90s baby uh you know vhs anything is also going to be something that i resonates really well with me so uh, if I remember correctly, I was listening to MTG Goldfish and I could look it up myself, but I think like first sliver well, was like $40 or something like that. And food chain was like 20. So the value is already really high here and really good. I suspect those will drop down tremendously, but personally for me, I want the art. So I'm going to get these. Um, then the second one really cool. Now that I'm seeing this, uh, they better come out with a damn baseball or sorry, a basketball version, but, uh, I just alluded to it, the baseballing. So you get five planeswalkers with this, you get a Johnny Goldman, Jace Bellerin, Liliana Vest, Chandra Nalar, and Garrick Waldspeaker. These are all the original Lorwyn planeswalkers that came out in a baseball card version. Super, super cool. Uh, I, I think that, um, Force of World Gaming and Bash Shop needs to get one of these and just showcase frame it because they deal a lot in sports cards and they deal a lot in magic. So getting this would like fit the store 110%. Um, but with that being said, I love the design on this. I really hope there's a basketball version because I'm a big va basketball fan and obviously a football. If they have that, uh, golf would be cool too. Uh, these are all personal preferences. But my point is seeing these really as a really cool design uh, and just shows like what kind of uniqueness the secret layer brings uh, to the table. Again, I think when it first came out, people's hesitation was going to hurt the LGS, you know, is it really worth buying, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, you know, as long as they keep doing good secret layers, add a little more value. Like this one isn't very valuable. So I think just adding some extra value um, will really uh, keep me and others interested and in wanting to buy secret layers. So, but man, I have rattled off a lot, uh, by myself in an hour's time. Uh, we hit it up with the, my cart Kosa's cart. So this is uh, we kind of changed it from me giving like specs and things you should buy and sell to what I've bought, um, and have, haven't sold because, <laughs> you know, I want to keep every card that I buy. Um, and again, the purpose of this is to kind of give you some uh, some ideas about maybe what you want to pick up and kind of inform you. So if you do want to spec on a card or whatever, based on some reasoning that I give you, which I might not give you a ton, um, but if anything, to put something in the forefront of, oh, hey, you know what? I don't have that card. Let me go get it. So I've bought a lot of cards since then, uh, but the cards I want to mention, uh, I bought Forsaken Monument and the Extended Foil version, uh, Extended Art Foil version. Uh, the flare of loyalties, um, uh, which, and Zula doc, which are from the, uh, commander masters, uh, commander only. So the, the only new cards from the set, um, I bring these up one because I've always, I needed to complete my, uh, what is it like one of every color commander, every pie, whatever you want to call it. I'm not done yet. I'm, I'm getting really close now. 
so I went ahead and got the Kozilek the Great Distortion Texture Foil, made that commander with, again, the idea being that I can interchange it with Zuladoc. And um, I'm bringing this up because, if I'm not mistaken, we got a, a small preview of art for Modern Horizons 3, and it shows the Eldrazi, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't see this myself. I heard about it, but reputable source. I'm sure that that's all there. And I'm bringing this up because... Uh, you know, we could be getting reprints of those Eldrazi, like of uh, Ulamog and um, Kozilek and, and Emrakul, but we might be getting some new ones. And in any case, if we're getting Eldrazi pumped into uh, Modern Horizons 3, you can bet we should have some colorless stuff going in as well. All that to say, uh, I built this way before we even saw the MH3 spoiler, um, but now that I know about it, there may be some cards to pick up, or at the very least, if you also want to build these commanders, I'd get these cards before they have a spike, because um, a good example is the, um, man, I'm forgetting all of them, but the there's one of the Eldrazi, it's like a 9-mana Eldrazi, when ETB, or when it's on the field, your opponents can't cast, like, odd uh, CMCs, I believe. That was, like, a $5, $10 card for the longest time, and then it shot up to $25. And a lot of other cards have followed suit. So my point is get ahead of this because obviously when the hype cycle's there, that's when you want to buy the cards. And, you know, it's it's very easy for us to want to be impulsive and, like, get into the hype and play with these new cards. So do yourself a favor, and since the writing's on the wall, I mean, they're, like some of these are very low cost, um, you know, and it, like I said, if you want to get into this, like if you've already been thinking about it for a while, just do it now. Same thing with slivers, right? When we knew slivers were coming in, the best time to buy them was beforehand and after um, because those cards go up and down all the time. But again, if you wanted to play during the height, the peak of this, right, then you had to buy them before because you bought them in the middle, then you're going to lose a lot of money in the end. Right. So again, it's not really about making money. It's just about saving you money. Um, but anyways, uh, I think those were the only cards I really wanted to bring up. Um, I'm just kind of looking through my list real fast. Oh, um, I guess maybe one to bring up too. I also bought Chandra Awakened Inferno for the Guff Commander that I made, um, which I guess I didn't mention that one. But I also made Guff too, Jeskai. <laughs> um, that was like almost a ten dollar card. It's like three dollars. It might go down even more. Maybe just another card if you want. To, if you forgot about that card, it's really solid in Commander. Probably really solid in like Pioneer too, to be honest. Um, so, anyways, just a few cards that I've bought. Um, oh yeah, you know what? And I totally missed, um, we have to backtrack before we wrap it up, but I forgot to, uh, talk about an underplayed EDH card. Um, cause it's been so long. Go ahead and squeeze it now. Um, the card I want to mention is relic of legends. So it's a three mana, uh, colorless artifact, uh, taps for any color. And then you can tap a legend to make a color of its identity. Um, this card is honestly, if you think about it, it's almost always two mana. Now, granted, you have to have your commander out, but when you have cheaper commanders um, and you have this on the field, you have access to two color mana like all the time. And I think it's very underplayed. I mean, it's at, it, I think it has like 10K decks or something like that, but it's overall 2% of all decks it can be in. I think that number should be way higher. I think this is close to as close to a staple as you're going to get without it being a true commander staple. And yeah, I mean, this card, like I said, it can enable some crazy stuff. If you're able to like make a bunch of clones of your commander or, you know, and, and you know, obviously a way where it stays on the field, like making it a non-legend or whatever, uh, you can do some crazy stuff with it, but, uh, you know, very easy to play. Like I said, it's colorless. So, you know, you can play it in every deck and I think it needs to be played a little bit more. So I think we have made it. I think I have rattled off. Uh, a lot by myself. <laughs> um, super excited to be back, guys. Like I said, I don't know what the schedule is going to be like going forward. I'm going to try my best to to pump out some some more content. Uh, when I say content, I just mean more podcasts. Uh, I will definitely try to get Micah involved with this too. Uh, it's really funny because I gave him the podcast and now I'm kind of taking it back over. I'm just like forcing, forcing myself onto him. That sounds really bad actually. But anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've been wanting to, to rattle off and talk a bunch as you can tell. Um, 
Micah, shout out to you, bro. Uh, hopefully you like this episode. Hopefully everyone who's listening likes this episode. If you have any questions, comments, uh, anything you'd like me to talk about, um, I will try to uh, read them at the untapped mailbag at gmail.com. Um, you can also like try to Twitter me, I guess, or X me, whatever the hell the new system is now. Um, uh, I think it's like King Kodo. God, I should know my thing. King Kodo 77, Kodo 77. Anyways, just hit up the mailbag. Um, like I said, the more I get into this, the more I I hawk the podcast. Um, who knows? We'll get some more listeners and, uh, some more ideas for podcast. Um, as always, I, you know, I want you to support your, your LGSs, especially like I mentioned earlier about the things they have to go through and, and whatnot. And it's just so turbulent with, with the new products and what they have to buy. So I would love you to support our local game store at Junior's Comics and Cards located at Manchek and Slaughter at the corner of the HEB over there. Uh, like I said, we play basically every Friday. I, I Like I said, I've petered off a little bit, but I'm still making it about twice a month. I'll be running the pre-release this week. Um, we're already capped. Obviously, can't fit anybody else in there. But any other week, or like I said, if you're interested in Commander on Saturdays, come see us like on a Friday night so we can get you in the Discord and, and chat it up there. Or you can email me if you're in the area and you know we'll talk through all that, whatever. Uh, if you're in Bastrop, Forcible Gaming, um, they just got their, I don't know, like third or fourth convention done. Um, it was a little light on magic this time, so I was a little disappointed in that. But otherwise, you know, if you're into sports memorabilia or collectibles or, you know, any other uh, uh, card games, they have quite a bit over there in Bastrop. So go check them out. They also redid their storefront, too. So it used to be kind of a small little hidden, excuse me, um, hidden store and then they i think they what they did was rent out the entire building itself and so looks really cool of the vintage look i love the antique tile and the brick uh really nice store now uh, it was nice before but definitely um uh nicer right and then uh yeah again my other local lgs is uh alpha strike games and san marcus they're really competitive in their pricing for uh the, i'm pretty sure they just use like tcg market but uh still you know, a great place to, um, you know, promote and buy cards from. They have a web, easy to use website. They have a ton of cards. And again, if you're in San Marcos, go check them out. If you're a local, then you probably know about the store anyway. But, um, man, that was it for the 102nd episode of the MTG Untapped podcast. Uh, I, I've enjoyed it, y'all. Y'all have a great night. Peace.